Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, the countdown is on to the first test at the Basin Reserve in Wellington, Australia versus New Zealand. The first time that they've met in New Zealand since 2016, which is almost impossible to fathom. But we've got our full SEN team there. Adam Collins is on the line in New Zealand. Morning, Collo. Yeah, you're right. Hi, Matty. Eight years since we were here at the Basin Reserve in Wellington, which feels a cricketing crime. You know, it's such a gorgeous ground and a great place to watch and observe and commentate on test cricket. I mean, England have been to New Zealand for three separate test tours since the last time that Australia were here. And given the proximity and all the rest of it, it's, uh, yes, it's, to say it's a quirk in the, in the schedule is to, uh, is to understate it. But um, yeah, the, the, I'm glad we're here this week and off to Christchurch next week, two of the most beautiful grounds in the world. Mm. And how things have changed. The last time that Australia played a test there against New Zealand, Joe Burns was opening with David Warner. Adam Voges made a, a big double century. Uzi was in the runs and Steve Smith was captain. So a couple of things have stayed the same, but other things have massively changed. Yeah, Steve Smith uh, made it to 50 every time he batted in that series. There was the stunning Usman Khawaja 140 at Wellington. Uh, he hit 25 boundaries in that innings, and I reckon 20 of them flooded into the boundary at, at, at deep extra cover. He was in blistering form that, that week. He had Adam Voges down the other end for the majority of his innings. Voges made it to 239 after he was bowled on seven. Um, it was called a no ball, so umpire Illingworth unfurled the arm on the ground. This is before the days of TV umpires taking care of the front line. And then poor old Doug Blaswell was actually shown to be behind the line. There was no recourse. That was on seven, and Voges went on to make 239. It completely killed off the test match, and you know one umpiring decision um, had a huge effect on the on the course of the match and the series. So, yeah, a lot a lot of memories from 16 that stand out like that. But there, there are quite a few of the guys who were part of uh, proceedings then, including players like, as you say, Kawaja Smith, who was captain. Mitchell Marsh was over here as the all rounder. So a little bit of continuity through the years. Yeah, Marsh and Burns were about the only ones that missed out on runs there. They both got ducks, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> but it does lead us it does lead us to the openers the openers discussion. And I was interested to read about Steve Smith talking about the mindset that he needs to be in in his new position as opener. I mean, we're talking about somebody who has had such a storied career, but we're talking about mm-hmm. a new part of his career, aren't we here, Adam? Because Steve Smith has said, okay, I needed to change my mindset when he got that 90-odd, 91 against the Windies, about walking out there and thinking as though we're two for none, not none for none, not, you know, not just starting this innings, which is a really incredible thing to do at this stage of your career, to, to change that mindset and want to have the pressure back on you. Yeah, I, I think a bit, with Smith, this is an opportunity for him to climb the mountain one last time, right? As you say, a storied career. Um, you could make the case he's had the best career since Don Bradman, if you wish. Others will com- compete with that view, but that, that's one view. His numbers are extraordinary, uh, what he's achieved over a long stretch of time. So the fact that he volunteered himself to go up to the top of the list, that I think actually shows quite a bit of self-awareness from Smith, but... His returns were declining at number four. There was the bigger picture at play 
with Cameron Green. He nearly turns 35. Well, he's nearly 35 now, I should say, Stephen Smith. And this is a chance for him to play a role in the next generation of Australian cricketing success by giving Green that prize number four spot and to effectively go again as opener and to change his mindset. That is different to how openers typically think. I think of Bill Laurie used to talk about opening the batting as the opportunity to be on level terms with a bowler and to put pressure on the bowling side before they settle. Smith's going the other way, according to those comments, and trying to put himself under the pump. And look, when Smith was at his absolute best as a test cricketer in the 2019 Ashes, with all that pressure surrounding an away Ashes series and the ball moving around and Stuart Broad running a mark, he often was in that two-thirds on all. So um, he has enjoyed success walking in when it's effectively been a situation like that. So as it's always been for Smith, whatever works for him, he's not... Uh, He's slightly uh, the way he thinks about batting is slightly different to a lot of players, a lot of contemporaries, and it's worked for him so far. Batting number four, so I, I see no reason why it won't work for him opening as well. Okay, Manus Labuschagne, he he needs to be in this discussion here because of the the extraordinary talent and numbers that he can post. However, they haven't been mm. there over the last year and a bit. Thirty three point five is his average over the last fourteen months of cricket, and he returns ten one not out three and five out of the West Indies series. So when does the pressure start to burn a little brighter or harder on Marnus Labuschagne to do what he does best, get out there and and just churn out the runs? Oh, look, it's a results business. So there's always some degree of pressure there, but I don't think that it's a selection pressure really. They, they know what Labuschagne's ceiling is and it's very high, extremely high. He was ranked number one in the world for a long stretch of time for a reason. And he's enjoyed a lot of success against New Zealand the last time they played against each other, which feels a, a world ago, Whitey. It was at Sydney um, the, a couple of months. Well, I was going to say a couple of months before the pandemic. The pandemic, unbeknownst to us at the time, it actually started. Um, but, yeah. you know, January 2020 was when Labuschagne made his 215 against New Zealand. So they know what he can do. It's not a question of ability or capacity. It's a question of finding that again. And that, that'll be a big part of this series for him because after these two test matches, they don't play again. Until uh, until November against India, and that's going to be that's going to be high octane hard yakka cricket. So he'd want to leave this extended stretch, remembering this run kind of goes back to um, the previous home summer. Then they went to India for four Test matches, the World Test Championship final, the five Ashes Test matches in England, the One Day World Cup, another home summer. So this is the end of the run for him before he gets a little bit of time off and a little bit of county cricket later in the summer or the English summer. Um, so, yeah, he would love to be back in the runs before then, but it's impossible to ignore the fact that his returns have been diminishing over the last 18 months or so. But that does, I, I caveat that by saying that if not for Labuschagne at Old Trafford, on that Saturday afternoon where England got three hours at Australia um, after the rain subsided, it was Labuschagne who stood up and made that century. Without him, Australia probably lose that test match and in turn lose the Ashes. So um, I think that gets blocked a little bit in the narrative, but there was one... Very high-profile instance last year where he did stand up and did uh, make sure that Australia eventually got that two-all scoreline. Yeah, that's a really good point. What's been the reaction over there about Neil Wagner retiring? A bit of sadness, I think. You know, I, I whether he would have played or not, well, I suppose we know now that he was being left out thus. I reckon that most pundits had him still in the New Zealand starting eleven, but unbeknownst to us, Big Will O'Rourke's overtaken him. And now I watched O'Rourke bowl in the Nets yesterday, Matt, and he is something. He's quick. Um, he gets really sharp bounce. He's probably six foot six tall and took nine for 93 on his test debut against South Africa a couple of weeks ago. So that's exciting. Um, we're seeing a, 
you know, a young, new, fresh, quick being rolled out after one exceptional performance against South Africa. And it's enough for him to have gotten rid of Neil Wagner, who his career will go down as one of the greats for New Zealand. 260 test wickets did it his way. So much of what he did was bowling short for hour after hour, long spells, longer spells than fast bowlers, and meant to be able to put in. He reached number two in the ICC rankings. He was part of New Zealand's successful team at the World Test Championship final in 2021, played a starring role that week in Southampton, got New Zealand to number one in the world on the rankings basis as well. Um, and along with Trent Bolt and Tim Southey and Kane Williamson, it's been part of this wonderful New Zealand generation. So in a way, it's a bit of a shame he's not getting the chance to have a crack at the Aussies at home. But um, he retires now a, a very satisfied cricketer, having made the trip from South Africa originally to play domestic cricket in New Zealand, that he's made the absolute most of his opportunities in this part of the world. Yeah, Steve Smith would be happy to see him go, although he, he did dip his lid to him in an article <laughs> this morning where he was talking about the possibility of some slight rule changes in terms of balls going down the leg side when you're setting that field. But that was um, that's probably a yeah. discussion for us to have after this test match because it starts to get into the nitty-gritty. But I do want to talk about the conditions. I saw a photo that you posted um, yesterday about the pitch. So, you know, there's a lot of green on that pitch, but uh, is it more about mm. the weather itself in Wellington? I think it's going to be cooler around 19 degrees from what I can see. And those overcast, yep. or as they like to call them now, Colo, overhead conditions um, will probably play a, a really big part here. Yes, the overheads. What, what, it feels like everyone now has a visual room where they say, well, at the top, you look up, not down. Um, no, the, 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 uh, and maybe that will be the case tomorrow when we get back to work. It was a belter of a day yesterday. It was a, very much a bat first day, but we'll see what the cloud looks like on, on morning one. Look, it, it can be deceptive in New Zealand. Um, pitches are, for whatever reason, just greener here. But it doesn't tend to uh, turn into what we... It, it doesn't feel like a green top in practice. When you watch the cricket, yeah, sure, it's lively for an hour when the grass is live and new, but it does settle down quite quickly. And we do often see heavy scoring here in the first innings. And throughout the Test match last year when England played that thrilling match against New Zealand where um, they made, made 400-plus and declared on day one, as is England's want. Uh, then they had New Zealand following on, and New Zealand made 500 in the third innings of the match. And it was ultimately resolved by one run, the only the second time in Test history a match has been decided by a solitary run. So that was a high-scoring game all the way through to the end, and, and, the, and the pitch was as green then as it is now. Uh, so I, I wouldn't read too much into that, either this week or at Hagley Oval in Christchurch. When we were there eight years ago, it looked like a green top when we arrived on day one as well, and Brenda McCullum hit a 54-ball 100 on, on the first afternoon. So, um, yeah, with New Zealand, there's a bit of a perception reality thing with the pitches, but uh, I, I hope that it is lively throughout the first day because... Um, that's what we want, right? In test cricket, we want a real contest between bat and ball where ideally ball is on top on day one. So if the conditions enable that, all the better. Bit of a double whammy for me tomorrow, mate. I, you, because of your coverage, that means that I don't have a show, which means bummer for me because I love the oh. show, but I'll have, my, I'll have my headphones on and in <laughs> and I'll just be listening to you guys all day. I'm really looking forward to this, to this test, obviously, and this series because New Zealand need... Um, a competitor like Australia to be in their backyard and we need them just as mm. much, obviously. So I reckon it's going to be a belter. Have a great call, mate. Really looking forward to it. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Looking forward to having your company tomorrow and I'm glad we get to uh, help you have a, a few hours off. Happy days. <laughs>